Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. I'm Joshua. We love scary old-time radio stories. There's nothing quite like a disembodied voice telling a genuinely disturbing tale. But do these stories stand the test of time, or are we being deceived by nostalgia? Are they suspenseful or forgettable, bone-chilling or butt-numbing? That's what we're here to find out. For tonight, I have chosen an episode of The Whistler, an anthology series that ran from May of 1942 to September of 1955. The series was broadcast on the West Coast as part of CBS, and there were a couple of unsuccessful attempts to bring the show to the East Coast as well. It was also turned into a series of noir films in the 1940s starring Richard Dix and then later Michael Duane. Each week, the show's host, a man known only as The Whistler, introduced stories of crime and dark justice. Unlike other narrators, The Whistler often addressed his comments to the characters in the story, particularly suffering from a guilty conscience. Although the announcer mistakenly gives the title as Liar Consequences, it is in fact entitled Christmas Bonus. All month long we've been listening to episodes to get us in the mood for the holiday season, and this story is no exception. Appropriately enough, it was originally broadcast December 25th, 1944. Forget the petty distractions around you. Forget what you think you know. Forget everything but what you hear right now. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. Let every go signal remind you that you do go farther with signal gasoline. The signal oil program. The signal oil company and your neighborhood signal dealer bring you another curious story by The Whistler. Tonight, lie or consequences. And I know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales, many secrets hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. Presently, I'll tell you of nameless terrors of which they dare not speak. Within the human character, the line between good and evil is a thin and waving one. And very often, the one small impulse for good will outweigh and nullify the bad. Such was the case with Michael Cobb. Mike wasn't bad, really. It happened while he was a kid before he knew any better. He'd gotten into trouble, gone to prison, served a stretch. Now he's out, and he's learned his lesson. He's proving that. He's going straight, working hard at his job in the office of a large department store. He's married to a girl he loves, and he's happy. Delicious, delicious. Oh, nobody can cook a better breakfast than you, darling. Thank you, sir. Now, Mike, don't bolt your coffee. I gotta run, I'll be late. Well, a couple of minutes won't make any difference. Well, maybe not most days, but today is gonna be a big one. 
The last shopping day before Christmas, you know. Stores will be jammed. We'll be swamped with work until late tonight. Besides, I don't want to spoil my record. Six months and I haven't been late to work once. I know, I know. It's fine. I'm sure the store appreciates it. Yeah, Lane, I... I think they do, too. I really think they like me down there. You know, like my work and everything. Oh, sure, Mike. How could they help liking you? No, no, I mean... Well, I begin to feel like... All that stuff is all forgotten. Almost like something that's never happened. It is. It is forgotten, Mike. Everything's different now. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Oh, this is going to be a lot different Christmas than the last one, isn't it? Yes, Mike. You were wonderful, Elaine. Coming to see me, sticking by me. Oh, darling, I promise you there'll never be another Christmas like that. Never. I know there won't, Mike. From now on, they're, they're all going to be really merry Christmas. Yeah, you bet. Oh, gosh, that reminds me. I haven't got your presents yet. I'll have to run out my lunch aisle and find something. Now, now, Mike, you're not going to go spending a lot of money on me. Oh, maybe next year we'll be more than No, no, never you mind. I'll get you what I've done, please. <laughs> oh, my gosh. How I will be late if I don't run. Hey, 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 here's your hat. Oh, thanks. Well, goodbye, darling. If I don't get home before midnight, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Yes, it looks like a Merry Christmas for you at last, doesn't it, Mike? For the first time in your life, almost, a real Merry Christmas. You notice the smiles on people's faces as they walk down the street. They get sort of a kick out of the fancy red and green draped windows of the store. The holly smells good in the elevator. And you chuckle as you pass the toy department with a perspiring Santa Claus pulling on his red coat. Then into the office, everybody's smiling. Yeah, you know what, Mike? Maybe you're getting that thing they call the Christmas spirit. Well, morning, George. Merry Christmas. Hi, Mike. You're pretty cheerful this morning, aren't you? Oh, why not? It's almost Christmas, a day of good cheer. Well, what's the matter with you, sourpuss? Uh, nuts, humble. Uh-oh. The boss on the rampage again, huh? Uh, well, what is it this time? You haven't heard? No, what? Uh, somebody lifted another thousand bucks out of the receipts last night. What, again? Yeah. It makes about ten grand that's been missing in the last six months. Well, no wonder Mr. Humboldt's upset. Uh, the detectives are in there with him right now, and they've got old Gus, the night watchman, in for questioning. I suppose we'll all be on the carpet like the last time. Oh, gee, that's not so good. Ten thousand dollars. Hey, that's grand larceny. Yeah, and the cops are probably getting pretty sore about not pinning it on somebody. Now, look, here comes old Gus, fresh from the Inquisition. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you, Mr. Humboldt. Gus. Uh, hey, Gus. Yeah, Mr. Osborne? Are they playing questions and answers in there again, Gus? Uh, yeah. There was you this time, there was you that time. The only time I got to sleep when they called me down here for this. <laughs> what for would I want to steal money for? I got a wife. Fine wife. Four kids. I steal money, I go to jail. They starve. What for would I steal? Sure, sure, Gus. But I know why you're so worked up about it. Yeah? You probably had to admit where you were last night between 12 and 1 o'clock. How come you know that, but I was? Go on. Everybody in the store knows that, Gus. It's a standing joke. Everybody knows you eat your lunch every morning between 12 and 1. They know you go up to the 13th floor and stretch out on one of those divans in the Louis Fifteenth room, the classiest in the joint. Okay, so what's wrong with that? I got to eat. Why not in style? Sure, only for that hour. Anybody could come in and move out the other 12 floors and you'd never know it. All right, so what? Maybe that is when somebody stole money. I do not know. I only know I did not steal. And this is the only time I got to sleep when they have to go asking me questions. 
<laughs> what a character. Hey, uh, is that true about his breakfast from 12 to 1? Sure. There's a night watchman for you. <laughs> that probably explains why they're so sure the thief is somebody inside the store. Somebody who knows about Gus and what time he won't be on this floor. Yeah, it could be. Uh-oh, that's Humboldt. Yes, Mr. Humboldt. Yes. It's right away, sir. <laughs> Just as I thought. It's my turn now. And if I start screaming, you'll know he's putting me on the rack. Okay. I'll bring a branding iron to your rescue. Don't laugh yet. You'll probably be next. If Humboldt really decides to catch a thief, he'll catch one by hook or crook. <laughs> Christmas, Mike. Oh, now, what's the matter? You don't seem as happy as you were. Something happened to dampen the Christmas spirit, maybe? Something you can't describe? Can't even put your finger on? Just a funny, sinking feeling? Forget it. George Osborne has been in and out of Humboldt's office, and almost the whole day has gone by and nothing's happened. And everything seems to have calmed down. In fact, it's George's turn to have the Christmas spirit. I really didn't expect it this year, but there it was in my pay envelope. Nice and crisp and green. With the best Christmas wishes of the J.C. Devers store. Oh, gee, that's swell, George. Yeah, real honest to gosh Christmas bonus. I can sure use it. <laughs> Who couldn't? I don't know whether you get one or not, Mike. You've only been here six months. Then maybe. Uh, by the way, why don't you mosey in and pick up your pay? It's almost nine o'clock. We close in five minutes. Well, I guess I'd better wait for Mr. Humboldt to call me. Golly, I thought we'd get paid earlier. Still haven't bought Elaine's present. Ah, well, don't worry. Most of the smaller stores will still be open for a couple of hours. Yeah, sure. But I, uh, I thought I'd get her something she liked real well in the little store up on 10th Avenue. Oh, well, it'll be open too late. Say, I wonder if they found out anything about the 10 grand. Boy, they've really questioned everybody around, though. They didn't question me. In fact, they'd never questioned me about it. I don't quite understand that. Oh, well, I don't know. I guess you got such an honest face or something. Yeah. Uh-oh. Yes, Mr. Humboldt. Well, yes, sir. Yes, sir, I'll send him right in. Well, maybe we spoke too soon. He wants to see you. Oh? On the other hand, maybe he just wants to hand you your Christmas bonus in person. After all, you are getting to be the fair-haired boy around here these days. I'd better go in. <laughs> you might even be in line for a promotion. You can't tell. Okay, okay. You wanted to see me, Mr. Humboldt? Yes, oh, yes, Cobb, Cobb. Uh, sit down, sit down. Uh, thank you, sir. Cobb, you've been with us uh, six months now. Yes, sir. And I must admit that in that time you've demonstrated an admirable aptitude for the work. Thanks, Mr. Humboldt. Yes, in fact, there's been some discussion of raising your salary, promoting you. I even talked to Mr. Prentice, the manager, about it myself. Well, thanks, Mr. Humboldt. Yes, and that's why I regret very much to tell you this. I must inform you that we're forced to dispense with your services as of tonight. Dispense? You... You mean I'm fired? I'm afraid that's it. Yeah, your two weeks' pay is in this envelope. Wait a minute. If I'm bed so good, why am I being fired? I'm not at liberty to offer any explanations. I have my order just It's got as... something to do with this missing money, hasn't it? I told this you This is your it... way of telling me you think I took it, isn't it? Now, call my... That's I... it, isn't it, Mr. Humboldt? You've questioned everyone else in the department. With me, you figure questions are unnecessary, don't you? Well, since you put it that way, Cobb, naturally we must take into consideration your past. You know about my prison record. I told you about it. 
What I've told you about if I was going to steal again? I'm not accusing you of stealing again. I only say we can't afford to take chances. We simply find it advisable. All right. I understand. I understand a lot of things now, Mr. Humboldt. Thanks. Thanks, Mr. Humboldt, for the Christmas bonus. Hey, hey, Mike. Mike, wait a minute. Well, did you get it? Did he give you a Christmas bonus? Yeah. Yeah, I got a Christmas bonus, all right. Hey, what's up? What's the matter? Oh, nothing. I'll, I'll tell you about it later. I'm leaving now. Oh, yeah, you're in a hurry. Uh, but wait, uh, I, I almost forgot. Uh, with my bonus, I can pay you the 30 bucks I owe you. Huh? Here. 10, 20, 30. That ought to help with that present for your wife, huh? Yeah. Yeah, thanks, George. Thanks. Merry Christmas, Mike. <laughs> yeah. That premonition you had this morning was right, wasn't it? That funny, thinking feeling. Now you know, don't you, Mike? You knew it all the time, really. All this past six months, you've been kidding yourself. The dream bubble has burst. Merry Christmas, Mike. The crowds are still cheerful on the street. The windows are still bright and gay, and the holly still spices the air. But you don't see or feel or smell. No, there's only the sensation of a chill wind cutting you to the bone as you wander the dark street, not knowing or caring where you are. Hello, Michael. Merry Christmas. Huh? Oh. Oh, hello, Reverend Ewart. Hi. I didn't see you. So I noticed. I was just getting home from my last-minute shopping. Won't you come in for a moment? A cup of tea, perhaps? Why, no, I... I... Oh, come on. I haven't seen you for a long time. That is, for a chat. Besides, it's chilly out. A cup of hot tea will warm you up. You look as if you could stand warming up, Michael. Come in. No, no, I... I've got to get along. Oh, come now. That lovely wife of yours will miss you for a few more minutes. I tell you, I've got to go. Very well, Michael. I won't keep you. Oh, I'm... I'm sorry, Reverend. I didn't mean to... You know... Well, I understand, son. It troubles. Is there anything I can do? No. No, I'm all right. Well, I know you too well, Michael. I've known you all my life. How I've, I've helped you before, haven't I? Why... I don't know. I don't know whether you did or not. All that stuff you told me about turning over a new leaf, forgetting the past... I believe it. Oh, yes, of course. Now, maybe you should have told it to some other people instead of me. It just don't work, Reverend. It just don't work. All that stuff about being good and doing good. It now, does. it don't pay you off. It does, Michael. It does. You must believe that. Even a little good done brings a great reward. Yeah, maybe to some people. Only maybe some of us are behind an eight ball we can't get around. Michael, please come in. I feel I must talk to Not you. Not tonight, maybe... Reverend. But all the talking I can stand. Now, I'm going to do my own thinking. I know what I'm going to do. You can bet your sweet life I know just what I'm going to do. Yes, your mind is made up now, isn't it, Mike? Humboldt made it up for you, didn't he? You hate him, don't you, Mike? And all the smug people like him who've never done a stretch and stir. They're your enemies, aren't they, Mike? Whether you wanted them to be or not. And you're just one of the cell rats. Okay, if that's the way it is, that's the way you'll play it. What's that? Footsteps following you? Maybe if you stop by this lighted window. Yeah, 
You were right, Mike. They're following you, all right. Two of them. You saw them duck into that doorway when you stopped and turned around. Tail. They got Dick's tail on me. Why, sure, you dope. They wouldn't let you just walk out of there. They think you took the money. They're going to tail you, hound you, track you down. Okay. Okay, if they think I took the money, I'll give them reason to. This time, I will take it. You are listening to The Whistler, brought to you by your friend, the Signal Oil Company. Marketers of famous Signal Gasoline, your best buy today. Remember to let every go signal remind you, you do go farther with Signal Gasoline. Christmas, Mike. <laughs> a very merry Christmas, isn't it? Six months of going straight and you've given it up. You're going back, back to the store and get your share of those days' receipts. Yes, it's all so simple, isn't it, Mike? It'll soon be 12 o'clock midnight. And old Gus will be up in the Louis 15th room on the 13th floor. The safe in Humboldt's office will be a cinch. You've seen it many times. And as for the two dicks tailing you now, it'll be duck soup to shake them. Duck soup. That's right. You're heading up 10th Avenue now. You can double back and... What's wrong, Mike? Why are you stopping? Could it be that tune, the brightly lighted window, the old man standing back there? Of course, now you remember. 10th Avenue. This is old Mr. Samuel, the little store. This is it, where you're going to buy Elaine her Christmas present. And there it is, what you heard, the music box, sitting on the counter next to the open door, playing. Good evening, Michael, and Merry Christmas. Hiya, Mr. Samuel. You came in just in time. I was just about to close up. I guess down at your big store, you've been closed for a long time. But here, where we little fellows have to stay open to get all the business we can. What can I do for you? I, uh... Is this the music box that Elaine likes so well? Ah, yes, that is the one. She was very taken with it. Ah, her eyes sparkled when she looked at it. Yeah, that's a powder puff of something inside, isn't it? Oh, that is right. And when you open it, it plays the little tune. So. Yes, she was saying how it was her favorite tune. Okay. How much is it? Well, it's... Uh... It's usually priced at 75 but I'll give it to you and the young lady for 50 $50? Well, yes, you see, it's a genuine antique, and it's the best thing I have in this store. Well, I'm I'm sorry, but that's more than I figured out. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, too. I, I would have let you have it for less if I could, but 50 is the lowest. Sure, sure. Well, okay, forget it. I'm sorry. Come back again. Now what's the matter, Mike? Why are you stopping? Could it be you can't make up your mind? Could it be you're thinking about the music box, about Elaine, about Christmas? Yes. This may be your last Christmas with her, you know. Your last chance to give her a decent present with clean money. Money you earn. It might be a nice gesture, eh, Mike? 
A little token of all that might have been. Oh, Mr. Samuels, I'll take it. Wrap it up as a gift and I'll take it. Merry Christmas, Mike. That's what's written across the package. It was going to be a symbol for a wonderful new life, wasn't it? And now it's an ironic farewell. Your last attempt at doing good, as Reverend Hewitt called it. Too bad it won't bring you that great reward he promised. It won't have a chance. Because there are those two dicks still following you. And you, you're heading for J.C. Deaver's department store, office of Henry Humboldt, and the interior of his safe. It's almost 12 midnight, and you have to duck those guys. 30 girls, 30. The greatest little show in town, starring Tootsie Laverne and her 30 raving beauties. A new show just started, only 40 cents. Ticket, mister? Huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. Forty cents. Thank you, sir. A new show just started. Hurry, 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 ladies and gentlemen. You're doing great, Mike. Those dicks will follow you in, but you won't be there, will you? No. You're heading for that exit sign down at the side. Through the curtain, push out through the door, and there you are. In the alley. Free. Okay. Now, up to the street. Lose yourself in the crowd. Turn down fifth toward the store. You're okay now. No need to look back. Or is there? They're there. You didn't shake them after all. They were wise to that trick, and they were waiting for you outside the theater. Yes, you should have known. Now what? Maybe you've got an idea. Yes. A good idea, honey. Why not lead them to the store? Sure, that's where they expect you to go. But beat them there and hide, down in the freight dock, behind one of those big crates. They'll never find you in that mess. Then when they get tired looking, you'll be able to slip in and do the job. How's that? Brilliant. Yes, brilliant. behind. When you hit the alley, you'll run for it. Make a dash back to the back. And you'll be so far ahead then, they won't know whether you got in or not. And you'll fool them entirely. You'll have them searching the whole store. Okay. Here it is. Okay, you made it. You left them way behind. Here's the freight dock. Okay. Come on, coppers. Just try and find me in here. Confound it. Now, we left. I told you you knew we were following him. Sure, sure. But let's not waste time. We had plenty of time to get in. Probably with his employee's key. Okay, okay. Get out your skeleton and let's go in after him. Worked like a charm, didn't it, Mike? You're sitting here in your crate, comfortably waiting... While they search the entire store. They've been there long enough to do it. It's almost one. If they don't hurry, you'll have Gus to worry about. Not that that's too much of a worry. But wait, hold it. Well, that does it. Yeah, too bad. Hey, flash your lighter on. He could have ducked in one of these crates here. Yeah, 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 but we never find him that mess. 
He can play hide and seek with us there for days. Yeah, you're right. I guess we might as well call it a day. It's a fine way to spend Christmas Eve anyway. Come on, let's go home. Okay, I'm right beside you. Well, Mike, Merry Christmas. This is better than you expected. They're leaving, actually going away. Leaving the place to your tender mercies. You won't have to dodge them coming out. They aren't going to camp out in Humboldt's office. They're actually walking away, down the alley, and you're set. Good Lord, the Something's wrong, it's gone. I can't stop, I can't. Hey, Joe, hey, Joe, Yeah, I hear it. Come on, right over here. I've got to stop, I've got to. Okay, right here, in this place. Too late. Okay, Cobb, we finally cornered you. Come on out. No use hiding in there now, Cobb. Come on, come on, come on. We want to talk to you. Yeah, yeah, I know. I got the idea. Okay. Okay, you got me. Yeah. Thanks for the music. Let us right to the dance floor. Yeah. That's the great reward the minister was talking about. Great. I don't get you. Oh, you wouldn't. It's a private little joke on me. Yeah? Well, that music maybe did you a big favor, Cobb. Favor? That's right. Maybe you'll see what I mean if you'll answer a few questions for us. I don't see why I should. You got nothing to be afraid of, kid, if you just answer a couple of questions straight. I'll answer one. I didn't do it. I had nothing to do with okay, it. Okay, okay. You had nothing to do with it. We didn't ask you that question. But answer this. You bought that music box at a store on 10th Avenue a while ago, didn't you? You know I did. You saw me buy it. And you paid for it with two twenties and a ten, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, part of that money was marked. It was money that had been stolen from Deaver's department store. I said it wasn't stolen. That was the dough. I got my pay envelope. All of it? Didn't somebody else give you part of it? No, I just earned the whole thing. Didn't George Osborne give you part of it? Osborne? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he did. Oh. He paid me $30. He owes me. Okay. Now, this is very important. How did Osborne pay you? In what denomination of bills? Well, I... Yeah. Yeah, I remember. He gave me three tens. Tens? You're sure? Sure, I'm sure. And the 20s came to you in your pay envelope, huh? Yeah. You'll swear to that in court? Of course. Okay. That does it. Thanks, Cobb. Hey, wait. You mean... That's all you wanted me for? It was enough. You just proved for us who stole that ten grand from the store. And the way you were acting, we almost thought it was you. We hadn't have known better all the time. the end of the story. The Whistler will bring it to you in just a moment. Meantime, Signal Oil Company joins with 1,800 Signal gasoline dealers throughout the West from Canada to Mexico in hoping that this has been a good Christmas for you. It wasn't the Christmas we had all hoped and prayed for. There were too many empty places at the table, too many empty places in our hearts. As we look back, we may wonder if perhaps we didn't give quite enough, not quite enough of our efforts of our money, and of our blood, which can mean life itself to a boy at the front. Yet even the regrets that may tinge this season's gladness can prove its greatest blessing if they fire us to new determination, to new and greater effort through the coming year until our prayers are finally answered and peace again returns to heal this confused and torn world. 
Yes, if, as this Christmas of 1944 draws to a close, we will rededicate ourselves to this, our job, we may, each of us, hasten the realization of that ancient promise, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And now, back to the Whistler. Quite surprising, isn't it? The police didn't suspect Mike at all. You see, it was this way. Because of his record, the cops began to tail Mike in the very beginning, when the money first began to be missed. Twice they had him under observation at the very time the money was stolen. So they knew he didn't do it. But they kept watching him in the hope he would lead them to the real thief. And he did. Yes, because when things got hot, the thief finally tried to frame Mike by giving him some of the stolen money. Marked money this time. George Osborne? Oh, no. In fact, Osborne almost gummed things up by paying his debt. The detectives hadn't counted on that. That's why they had to be sure which bills Osborne gave Mike. The tens weren't marked. The twenties were. The twenties Mike got in his pay envelope from Humboldt. Yes, Henry Humboldt, the office manager. You see, things were getting too hot for him. The trail was getting too close. He knew the money was marked, and he knew the detectives were watching Mike. So he gave him some of the marked bills in his severance pay, trying to frame him. It couldn't have worked, of course, but Humboldt didn't know that, and neither did Mike. And Mike almost did something he regretted all his life. He almost went back to a life of crime. Yes, if the music box hadn't have jammed and started playing just when it did, and the detectives had gone off, Mike's life would have gone down the skid. Because it did play when it did. Well, next week he'll be back at the store in a better job. Yes, and he got a Christmas bonus, too. They saw to that after Humboldt was arrested. And all because the music box played. Maybe that's why Mike said... <laughs> no, sir. That music box sits right there on the table where everybody can see it. Darling, I really think it means as much to you as it does to me. Oh, I guess maybe it does, Elaine. Just like the Reverend Hewitt says, a little good brings a great reward. Yeah, the rest of my life, that little gadget's going to mean a Merry Christmas. Darling, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Mike. the Signal Oil program will bring you another strange tale by The Whistler. The Signal Oil program is broadcast for your entertainment by the Signal Oil Company, marketers of Signal's famous Goldfather gasoline and motor oil, and by your neighborhood Signal Oil dealer, who is at your service daily to keep your car running for the duration. The Signal Oil program, produced by George W. Allen, with music by Wilbur Hatch, is transmitted to our troops overseas by the Armed Forces Radio Service. Bob Anderson speaking for your friend, the Signal Oil Company, and suggesting once again that you let every go signal remind you that you do go farther with Signal Gasoline. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
You are listening to the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense and horror stories from the golden age of radio. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. I'm Joshua. And that was Tim's pick for this week. Uh, that was an episode of The Whistler called Christmas Bonus. So let's just move right into it. Um, lots of things that I'm sure we all want to say. I'm always at a loss where to quite start. Let's start with Tim. Tim, why? Uh, I knew I wanted to grab something from the Whistler, uh, not only because we hadn't done it yet, but also because they have a wide, like every Christmas, it seemed like they did a special Christmas episode. So there was a lot of selection of Christmas options. Mm -hmm. This one in particular, um, I, it struck me just because it has a happy ending, which is strange for the Whistler. Yeah, strange for all these yes, it's... horror genre shows. We've talked about that before. So the, I think half the suspense of this is, is he really going to go back to prison at the end? And, right. and usually for a Christmas story, my instinct was like, well, of course he's not. It's going to all work out happy. But then I was like, oh, wait, it's the Whistler. Maybe yeah. not. <laughs> but to jump on what Tim's saying about, I found looking for the Christmas stories, listening to him, a lot of them did have happy endings. mm they did. And so I was like, oh, for our podcast, I don't want to ruin next week's or the ones coming up or anything. But I was like, I had a really hard time finding one that was like, ha take that Christmas. Christmas is terrible. <laughs> oh, and their kids were crying and Santa was you know, <laughs> on fire <laughs> somewhere on fire. Well, but, that, so I don't blame you for the happy ending. Impulse of the, a Christmas story. Of course, it's going to be warm and life affirming, but it's also this uh, old horror radio format that I'm just trained to brace yourself. It's going to yes. be ugly. So I will say that about this episode, that one of the things I really enjoyed about it was that idea of, I know Tim, and Tim would never do that to us. He would never give us a happen, and something is coming. Plus, it's the Whistler. And so I waited this whole episode, and I loved that suspense of, oh, man, there were so many directions it could go, right? Mm -hmm. There's so many options of what was really going on with this guy who stole the money and what was going to happen. Um, and, and then it, when it ended that way, I was like, oh, <laughs> Tim actually has a heart. <laughs> <laughs> but I also love that if, if you had stopped the episode right when the music box is playing and is in the crate hiding and said, right. oh, okay, now how does it end? I have no idea. <laughs> well, that that's and I would have been mad because that would have been an ABC after school special where they say now discuss right, and I hated that. <laughs> like no, just keep playing it and tell me how it ends. But you're absolutely right. We have no idea up until the very end. There's no indication of what is going on. And there's something nice about the actor who plays Mike because he is just so earnest and happy in the, those opening scenes and he's yeah. turned his life around and and yep. uh and at first i was like wow this is maybe a little cheesy but the actor does such a great job once he realizes that he's been framed and he's, he's so bitter and I, <laughs> I really believe how despondent he is yeah i wrote that uh in my notes the setup is cruel <laughs> yeah. so happy, he's so happy and well, he, he literally comes in whistling which i thought was a nice touch <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> And part of that cruelty is the Whistler structure where he speaks directly to the character and calls oh, okay. him by the name. 
Hello, Mike. Wow, you really screwed the pooch on that one, Mike. You know? <laughs> Merry Christmas, Mike. Yes. Right? Mike. Over and over. So sarcastically <laughs> calling him Mike like his name wasn't Mike. <laughs> Mike. It's not Mike, Ed. Get out of my head, Ed. I'm Steve. No, I I loved that, uh, uh, I, what's the word I'm looking for? Convention mm-hmm. of the narrator not talking to us, <laughs> talking to him. I love that a lot. Uh, but yeah, that that idea of of who are these guys following him? What's what's going to happen to him? And all the way to the end, uh, not really knowing how this. It could have been anything. It could have been aliens. It could have been. Uh, <laughs> I had a moment where I thought it was going to be Mike, like he did it and didn't know he was doing it. Mm. So, yeah, I kind of was surprised that Mr. Humboldt was involved in it. Wasn't he, or did I misremember? No, I think that's right. That is right. I thought his buddy was it suspicious. Was conf- it yes. was confusing. Right, because it looked like George, but it wasn't George. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it got confusing. I went, oh, it was his buddy who gave him the money. And then as it kept the, the detective guys, right, whatever yeah. they are, kept talking, I went, oh, oh, no, it's his boss. Yeah. Right? And I went, oh, yeah. wait, what? And I said, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but it, but <laughs> isn't, Mike. isn't that a great Christmas story? Wouldn't everyone for Christmas want their boss to be... Taken to jail? That is the greatest Christmas miracle ever. Not giving away anything about what you do outside of this, but you are the boss. You are one of them. (laughs) Everyone has a boss, Eric. Um, The the note I wanted to make about his boss. Oh, well, we we didn't interview you. We interviewed everybody else, right? Um, But you've had some sketchy things in your past, so you're fired. And I thought. Hey, you might want to get a lawyer. There's some wrongful termination going. You can't just... So, you know... We've given you a written notice about being sketchy. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't fire me. He was dispensing of his services. I want to bring that phrase back. (laughs) You've been fired. You've been dispensed. But that was interesting because, as it works out, what I thought was a flaw in the writing, that you can't just fire a guy under suspicion, even in 19... Whatever, 40, uh, whatever. I would guess 44, depending on how he was hired. Not in today's world. No, not in today's, but I think here, and if you're a... But it did make sense later that the boss was just setting him up. Yes, yeah. So it was okay later, but yeah, I suppose back then you could fire anybody you wanted, right? The world was crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Big wacky world. Did you figure out what he did? Like what his job was? I listened to it twice and I couldn't figure out. He, oh, he's, no. He's doing great at the department store. Was it a department yes. store, wasn't it? Good question. And I was like, was he I a didn't manager? Care. Did he open doors? But I kept... Whatever it was, he was doing a great job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it has an old expression that I want to bring back, too, of the... It'll be duck soup. Yeah. <laughs> Something that'll be super easy. Yep. I'm going to start using that. So let's let's try to work it into the next couple podcasts. <laughs> That'll be difficult. <laughs> no, it'll be <laughs> duck soup. <laughs> Thank you, dude. <laughs> the softball. I know. I'll take it. Speaking him. of the boss, and I actually brought this up to Joshua yesterday when I saw him, uh, and Tim will ask you, and I don't think we got the answer to this, but I'm putting it on the podcast because anybody who is listening to this, if you know who the voice of the boss is, it's so familiar to me. And I, you can't find anywhere any listing of the cast of this episode. No, and not. so it made me crazy. And that voice is really familiar. It to is me. familiar. I listened to it a second time, but I could not place it. So, yes, any listeners who, who might know, uh, be real enthusiasts. I can actually see the guy's the time. face, I think. 
Well, that's kind of creepy. It's <laughs> kind of floating in front of your face. <laughs> no, no, he's 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 here. Don't you see him? <laughs> it, it was not me. <laughs> no, all right. I just want to throw that out there because uh, I need I need that answered. Um, other uh, notes or pieces of information. Uh, the the thing that struck me uh, the most about this entire episode was the Christmas message, the actual real time war message from the sponsor. It's just sort of killed yeah. me that really yeah. um kind of dark christmas message and it, it was in stark contrast because everything else I, I think of associated with commercials regarding the war it's like you know uh, help the boys and let's buy war bonds it's always really chipper but this is 1944 and it's christmas and they just they just went ahead and sounded really exhausted no, they, and yeah. despondent right and went, but we're gonna keep trudging on and i yeah i found it really strangely moving Maybe it was this whole long year <laughs> that we've had now that it just felt like really kind of heartbreaking it's an interesting thing that i don't have the exact dates to back up what i'm about to say but i would believe when was normandy when was the big invasion do we know the date and the time because oh, there had to should. be a point where they were keeping everything from the american public but that normandy okay, invasion yeah. was they knew it was coming and so it must have been very like, is this ever going to end? But at that same time, about this Christmas time, nineteen forty four, yeah, yeah, those wheels were way in motion. Yeah. I want to say it was spring of nineteen forty five. Am I wrong? I don't I know. Don't, I'm going to get a lot. I'm, yeah, of no one will correct us. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but if we are nearing the end of the war, though, here, but and we don't are... know it. Is what I'm saying yeah. is I don't yeah. think at this point we know how close we are to making a final push. Yeah. So but I, that's they know the, how long they've been doing this, and it, right. it, it, it is not the the chipper we can do it. It's more like right. if we can just hang on, right. please. Uh, yeah. And now back to the Whistler. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. laughing now, but I was like, wow. And I yeah, very both real. times I listened to it, I was like, wow. That's one thing about all these old time radio shows that we listen to. It's it's the context of. Uh, not only are they great to listen to and fun and entertaining all that, but the context of our society at the time yeah. uh, from 1938 to 1950 is very interesting to hear how it comes through in the stories, but in the ads and in everything. And there's a really uh, interesting uh, uh, social conscience of, of the time to uh, to think about when you're listening to these as well. So uh, I, uh, I agree that he sounded tired. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I think the it, it made the the sweet ending of this Whistler story all the more like oh, okay, I needed that after hearing yeah. kind of I, I can and identify that, with the listeners at that time. They needed that, right? <laughs> right. Not to have the Germans come yeah. in and kill yeah. everybody at his job, and yeah. right, his boss ends up being a, you know a Nazi. Oh, again. <laughs> um, I also like they had the nice message of uh. His whole life was saved by what was essentially a nice small gesture. Yep, the music box. Yeah. And that's one of those nice twists. Like, as soon as it happened and the music box played, I went like, well, duh, I should have seen that coming, that that was true. Be yes. a plot point, but I didn't. It was one of those yeah, nice things like, oh, that works really well. Did you have that moment when the music box went off that you went, no! <laughs> oh! Which is a really indicative for me of great writing. Like, yeah. Like, like when I react with, the uh, characters like no no sh- stupid box like mm-hmm. that. so I loved I loved that whole part of it uh, the night watchman the <laughs> the yeah. constantly napping yes, <laughs> constantly, <laughs> but here's my question anybody have any idea what accent that was I that struggled was, to figure it out what that was, was a it lot supposed of to be was it uh, a little 
Yiddish? It had a Yiddish quality. Yiddishy? Yeah. A little Swedish, a little Yiddish. I don't know what was going on. He was clearly a a sleepy foreigner. (laughs) I I think after the first $9,000 got stolen, someone should have spoken to him about his naps. Uh, Let's let's talk to Gus. Somebody wake Gus up. Gus, every time you take a nap, a thousand bucks goes missing. Now, the first nine times, we were fine with it. <laughs> well, that's just it. Like, it, And $9,000 back then was, and I, uh, I'm i pretty sure it, it was $1 million by today's money. <laughs> <laughs> it had to be. That, that's the quick math of that. I love and hate, at the same time, Christmas music rearranged to become scary and suspenseful. <laughs> like, oh, I kind of like in the context yeah, of this. It, yeah, it's... I love, it makes me laugh every time, like, It fits with the um, whistler who's just poking at you. Oh, here's some Christmas music for you, Mike. I hope you like it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, Tim. Yes. So when you listen to this and you said, okay, this is what we're doing. Why did you bring it? Why did you select it? What was your, oh, this is the one I'm going to bring to the podcast. It was large in that sense in there of, I don't know what's going to happen. Right. Uh, and in retrospect, like, oh, it's a nice, sweet story, and maybe it's not sure. necessarily the best, but I I had not forgotten that in the moment, uh, it was I was delighted to find, like, I have no clue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would uh, absolutely agree with that. I loved that part of this story that I didn't know what was go- going on, so... Um, yeah. And it's it, it was a fun twist for me uh, to have the police basically say... At no point were you ever actually in danger. Like we saw, we witnessed you while robbery was happening. So we're following you. The, he in, almost screwed it up. Too. Yes, yeah. yeah. That you, unless you do something wrong, you are in no danger at all. <laughs> the other suspenseful and scary part, uh, sc- kind of scary, is the fear of being wrongfully accused. I think everybody can relate mm-hmm. to that. In a, not relate to it, but has a fear of that. Like. Yeah. When we see that on TV or radio shows or whatever, and we go, oh, that would just, can you imagine? Yeah, yeah and even to a lesser degree, it has that quality of when, when someone at work or someone you know thinks poorly of you or thinks lesser of you, and you just feel tempted to go, fine, if you think that, I'm going to be the person you think I am. Yeah, and, right? and it's really uh, self-destructive, uh, but at the time, you feel like, okay, yeah, I'll show you. <laughs> yeah. And so I can relate to it in that way. You know, just throwing my two cents in, uh, getting to the uh, the conclusion of this, is I think sometimes I, in our short 15 episodes of this podcast, I get frustrated a little bit with the idea that we have set the precedent as, was it scary or not? Instead of, does it stand the test of time? Is it just a good story? So I'm going to tell you, in this case, I don't think it's scary. Hmm. I think it's a great story. I think it's really well told. I think a little suspenseful, mm-hmm. a little, hmm, I wonder what's going to happen. But at no point was I, 
I mean, we've done right. some stuff where I hide under the covers. Like, wow, <laughs> well, wow, I think turn we're, it off. We're looking at the genre, and I think when we bring things, I'm looking if it's a horror story, is it scary? Or if it's a mystery or a suspense story, is it mysterious or suspenseful? And Correct. here I think you bring, is is this suspenseful? And I, if we're going to get to the judging part of it, I would say, yeah, I think this yep. is suspenseful. Not like nail-biting, but it's no. adequately, you, like Tim says, you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I would... I would say that this has dated to some degree, um, but in a good way, because I think by stepping back into this sort of the, the era that this commercial comes from, or this this uh, mm-hmm. war message, and thinking about the listeners at this time, and they how much it. they needed a happy ending, even with right. the Whistler, even with the Whistler, <laughs> Whistler taunting threw him, and <laughs> threw him a bone. Yeah, uh, I, I think it, it works. I find the story really well written. I like. I think it's really well acted. I thought it was well produced. I enjoyed myself the entire way through. I didn't mind the happy ending, although they could have done anything and was there. Oh, you know that's great. Like because it had so many options. So I enjoyed it immensely. I didn't get too tension filled. Tim, how did you feel about it? Um, similar to that, I I would not necessarily say it's a classic for all time, but it's it's uh, very enjoyable even for a modern audience. Yeah, it's feel good. Being in the crates. We don't have to apologize for having a Christmas episode that feels good. I mean, <laughs> like you said, we'd have to work pretty hard <laughs> to find one. Well, I did. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, overall, I think we really loved it and enjoyed mm-hmm. it, and uh, it was suspenseful. And I think it does stand the test of time. I think mm-hmm. anybody could listen to this and say that was fun or interesting. Fun wasn't the right word. Yeah. I think it's somewhere between that stands the test of time and definitely historical interest with the with the war yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. setting. Agreed? Agreed! There's where we're at. That's what it is. That was the Whistler and, uh, what was the name of it again? Christmas Bonus. Christmas Bonus! Right. Um, Not so, lies and consequence. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for listening and uh, let's talk about other things. Uh, first of all, if you'd like to see us in person and you're in the St. Paul area in Minnesota, we will be starting in January at the James Hill Library in downtown St. Paul. Information will be available at our website about how you can come see us perform live uh, recreations of radio broadcasts with us three and Joe Wiseman and Shannon Custer. Our website is ghoulishdelights.com. Ghoulishdelights.com. We'll have all the information up there. It's going to be it's a beautiful venue. It's going to be a lot of fun and then you can come in and judge us. <laughs> also listening to the podcast, you can do things. Yeah, you can go online to ghoulishdelights.com and judge the episode you just listened to. Let us know whether you thought it stood the test of time or was a stinker or anywhere in between, really. Also, uh, please go to iTunes, write some reviews. We've had a couple listeners write reviews on iTunes. They're really nice, and so thank you, listeners. But please write some more. And also, uh, Ghoulish Delights, which is Tim's company, uh, when you're there, you can also see all the projects that he has coming up outside of this whole thing and possibly other things from uh, Joshua's uh, uh, theater company, uh, which is not only Comedy Suitcase, but uh, Scrimshaw. English Scrimshaw Theatrical Novelties. Right. <laughs> Say it again. It's nope. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that brings us to next week. Yes. Uh, next week is my selection, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, okay, good. Just double checking at a moment. Like, <laughs> like the whistler comes in. Is it your selection, Eric? Oh. <laughs> You've lost your mind, haven't you, Eric? Your friends are all looking at you, Eric. <laughs> uh, next week, Christmas story, uh, but uh, uh, it is an episode of suspense. I don't know. How should I tease it? It's It's got some Christmas in it. It's got a little bit of feel good. Tell the title. 
uh, Arctic Rescue. That'll that tells you what you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that'll be next week. Please uh, download or listen uh, next Monday. Until then, remember. Look out!